Additional support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by Furnaces North America 2020, the virtual event, happening on September 30th through October 2nd at a computer near you. Bring your entire heat treat department to this premier event and never leave the comfort of your home or office. Find out more on the web at www.furnacesnorthamerica.com. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. I'm your host, Doug Glenn, publisher of Heat Treat Today, the place which keeps you informed and gives you the best and most timely technical and commercial heat treat content available. With COVID, most of us have had to change the way we work and socialize. Most events for networking and learning have gone online. Check out the heat treat industry's best events of the year on our website, www.heattreattoday.com. Look under resources and click heat treat industry calendar to see the current list of events. If you have an event you'd like to list on the calendar, please email our editors at editor at heattreattoday.com and let us know about your company's upcoming event. That's editor at heattreattoday.com. And if you have a chance, please let us know how this and any other resource on our website has helped you stay well-informed or helped you be more profitable. We're always open to receiving your encouraging emails, or if you're really brave, record a short audio message on your smartphone or computer and send it our way. We'd like to hear either how we've helped or what we could do to be more helpful, especially to you manufacturers with your own in-house heat treat, whether it be in aerospace, automotive, medical, or energy industries, or any other industry for that matter. Send us an email at editor at heat treattoday.com or simply htt at heattreattoday.com. On today's episode, we have the great pleasure of hearing from Mr. Harb Nyer, president and founder of TAT Technologies. Harb is both an inquisitive learner and dynamic entrepreneur, and we will hear about what currently intrigues Harb about the powder metal industry and what he anticipates for the future of the industry, especially where it bisects with heat treating. Harb also shares a bit about his personal journey, which, if I can be quite frank, is rather fascinating. I know you'll enjoy listening to Harb Nair. So let's jump in. Uh, My name is Harb Nair. I'm the president of TAT Technologies, LLC. It's a very small, 10-year-old a company that focuses on powdered materials and processes, especially centering. This experience that you've had with powder metals stretches over 50 years, I understand. I also understand that people recognize you as, quote, the centering guru for the value that you've brought to the industry. Can you share what intrigued you about the powder metal process and the powder metal industry that began your lifelong interest? There is no doubt that the PM is a very, very unique manufacturing process to make uh, metallic products. If I had to pick one thing that I would say, which is almost becoming a destructive technology, 
in the manufacturing of complex shapes, metallic, you know, metallic products, that will be additive manufacturing using metal powders to start with. And you may ask why it's disruptive. Uh, the answer is relatively short and simple, that it's a totally different way of manufacturing. You are adding layer by layer to build a three-dimensional component, and therefore you can make unusual designs and unusual complex uh, shapes out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, the PM is used to making you know, two-dimensional parts, three-dimensional parts uh, for a very long time, but this one I'm going to call it it can make four dimension. Now you may say, gee, there are only three dimensions. Where did you come up with the fourth one? Well, in my opinion, the fourth one in this case is emptiness. In other words, it can create designs where within the solid, you have empty spaces, so to speak. And that is what I call the fourth dimension. And this is where it's one of these major benefits will be to reduce weight. Now to really give you uh, how design flexibility there is, uh, I'll just give a very simple example. Suppose you are trying to make just one piece uh, or many pieces of a globe of the whole world, but you want it to be, let's say, stainless steel, okay? And you want to make it in one piece with no welding, nothing, but you want to show the hills and the valleys and the ocean, everything else, but you want to keep the interior of this globe empty to keep the weight light. Right. You can only do it by additive manufacturing. To the best of my knowledge, there is no other way to make it. So that's where I'm emphasizing the fourth dimension, the emptiness. Hmm, yes, and, and now this would have a pretty significant influence on both the aerospace and the automotive industries where light weighting plays a key role. I think... Uh, Lightness is going to be just like uh, in the in the uh, telephone business or the uh, uh, semiconductor business. We went small and small and small. Yeah. But in the in the product line, it's going to be: can we make it lighter and lighter, if for no other reason, because you will use less material to begin with. The other one uh, I think that's going to emerge uh, is most probably uh, making more and more. Uh, you know, parts by powder metallurgy from metal powder, which are 100% pre-alloyed. In other words, all the elements are in each metal powder particle. In other words, you're starting with a micro ingot as opposed to a big ingot that you normally use uh, to make bars. And from bars, then you cut pieces. And from those pieces, you do hot forging or machining. But here you will be starting from the other end where each powder particle now is a micro ingot. And the challenge is how you take billions of these micro ingots and make it a 20 pound part out of it. So that's another thing that's, that's another thing most probably is going to start picking up, especially the low alloy steel parts. My personal feeling is that a lot of the technology will be developed, uh, uh, will be, it's already has been developing but it'll develop much more rapidly in the next 10 years. And that's where, that's where the role of the heat treat people will be actually much bigger. Let's say in the AM, the, the role of the heat treatment will be there because you can always, by doing a heat treat, you can always make an alloy or a material more strong, so to speak. That's the main function of heat treat. But in the low alloy steels, the reason you are adding alloy is so that it's more conducive to heat treatment, you know, certain alloying elements help you to strengthen the material more than 
certain other elements. Mm-hmm. So I think the powder metallurgy uh, uh, technique, uh, the each micro ingot is uniformly alloyed. Where when you start with a big billet, it's not uniformly alloyed. Right. You have inconsistencies. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the role of the PM would be to reduce those dimensional, you know, like uh, uh, property mechanical properties in three dimensions are different if you're making something that originally was a cast as a billet. Where in the metal powder particle, uh, because the distances are so small, in each particle, each element is much, much more uniformly uh, dispersed. And, there is, and, and also there's no stringers as you normally get when you're casting, let's say, a uh, 10-inch diameter uh, bar or a 15-inch di- uh, you know, square bar out of which then you make other things. So the impurities will impure. Not only the alloys will be more uniformly distributed in the micro ingot, but these, there will be no stringer type of impurities. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So then, Harb, what, what is your prognosis for the future of the industry looking forward? Okay, that is a uh, unusually good question and also a very complicated question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but, what, but I can make three or four general statements. Okay, great. One is that powder metallurgy is going to continue to grow. Uh, a lot of people will take an issue with me. Uh, in my opinion, with additive manufacturing coming in and with these other developments that I mentioned in, uh, in the last two, three years, uh, it has been below 6% growth rate. So in other words, it used to be 7 8%, and it sort of, uh, you know, began to flatten out a little bit. And I think with AM and with this other micro ingot approach that I was talking to you about, I think it'll swing back to 7 8 9% growth uh, by the middle or the latter part of this decade. And, and all these changes that are coming they will affect the heat rate. And the way I see it, because and in the heat rate, the effect will be based on two things. What are they heat reading right now? For example, if they're heat reading almost exclusively from macro ingots, and now they have to worry about the micro ingot type of products, obviously, uh, heat rate has to shift somehow. Okay. The second one is, how is being heat treated right now? And that's where I feel the oil will be going down and other quenching techniques most probably will be coming up. And, and a part of that will be all influenced by as the powder metallurgy makes inroads into machine parts or uh, hot forge parts using macro ingots. So the micro ingot will somehow will affect the heat rate. Very good. All right. So those would, those would be the main things that, uh, that, that PM will continue to grow and elimination of oil. Well, the PM will continue to grow, but that will then affect the, uh, the heat treat industry, yes. When we return, we'll hear about Harb's background and his current endeavors. First, it's time to talk virtual. That is, it's time to talk about the North American heat treat industry's very first virtual heat treat event. COVID may have put an end to a face-to-face trade show this year, but it has not eliminated the possibility of you attending an all-heat treat event in 2020. On September 30th through October 2nd, on a computer near you, you and all of your heat treat department buddies can attend North America's very first 
virtual heat treat event. Furnaces North America 2020 virtual. This event features 35 specially recorded technical sessions and four live keynote sessions. Plus, many of the leading heat treat supplier companies in North America will have a virtual booth there and with real live people ready to audio chat, video chat, or get on the phone with you and talk about what they can do to help you. And to make this event even more super efficient, you can search the entire show, both booths and technical sessions for specific topics like vacuum pumps or thermocouples or calibration services. And think of this, instead of sending just one or two key people from your heat treat department, why not send them all? You can do it for less than it would have cost to send just one to an actual physical show. Furnaces North America 2020 Virtual, the first fully functional virtual heat treat show in the history of North America, happening at a computer near you on September 30th through October 2nd. Find out more and register your entire heat treat department to attend by going to www.furnacesnorthamerica.com. And now let's get back to Harb as he explains a bit about his background and his current activities. Let's take a step back, Harb. Could you tell us how you got interested in powder metallurgy and also how you came to be known as the centering guru in the United States? Well, it all started, I watched a American movie when I was 17 years old uh, in, in India, in English, of course. At the age of 18, I came to study at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in Troy, New York, mechanical engineering. So when I went back, I happened to see um, a monument. It's called Daily Iron Pillar. Now, I was born in Daily. I had seen it. But it never impressed me that much. But when I read the story behind it, that it was made by uh, starting with iron oxide powders, and that got converted into a sponge iron, and then sponge iron uh, was hot forged into this 14-ton structure. Mm-hmm. It is the largest part known uh, to be made by powder metallurgy, and it was made around 14 centuries ago. It still has not rusted. So all the story behind is still there is some mysteries behind it, but the main thing is the word powder metallurgy impressed me. Uh-huh. It changed my course. In fact, seeing the Delhi Iron Pillar did change Harb's life course. He went back to school and studied centering and earned a master's degree in metallurgy at Notre Dame University. Then he poured himself into the practical returning to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute where he earned his PhD. Shortly thereafter, Harb worked in a research lab for Copper Range where he researched the possibility of making copper strip directly from powder as opposed to casting it from molten copper. Unfortunately, that research project never grew legs. His next employment, however, did bear fruit. After Copper Range, Harb moved to New Jersey and here's what happened. So after uh, working for Copper Range, uh, I went to New Jersey and worked for an industrial gas company. It was called Airco. Uh, it was well known for making nitrogen, oxygen, hydrogen, and many, many other gases. 
And when I was hired, they had no powder metallurgy uh, activity of any kind. So my first assignment was, can the powder metallurgy be used to make electrodes, uh, you know, welding rods, because uh, Airco also had a welding products division. And, uh, but then welding products, and then I did make, uh, you know, hard-facing rods and uh, 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 what you call uh, uh, some of the welding rods by powders. Although the welding products division was sold, Harp found a new home at Airco, researching and developing synthetic gases. Remember, in the early 70s, there was the energy crisis and a concern that there would be a shortage of industrial gases. During his time at Airco, Harb was one of the early developers of synthetic gases, or what might be more commonly known today as mixed gases. After Airco, Harb took some extended time off to raise his young daughters after the untimely passing of their mother. After the daughters were out of the house, Harb wondered what he should do with himself. TAT Technologies, the company he currently owns and operates, was just the answer. Harb, tell us a little about what you're currently doing with TAT Technologies. That stands for Temperature, Atmosphere, Time, Technology. So whatever my thermal processing background was, I decided to work on that, but focus only on powder metallurgy to start with, not all, all the other thermal processes. Uh, in other words, start with sintering to begin with. So I opened a school uh, to teach sintering just like I learned when I left, came from India, I to start teaching sintering, but do it hands-on. Not just lectures, but hands-on. So I bought a sintering furnace for testing equipment, so I opened my own lab at that time in 19, uh, uh, 2012 then. And, uh, and we started with the uh, education uh, training, then added some R&D to it, then developed the equipment, that can help to increase the production rate in sintering furnaces by as much as 30, 40% in existing furnaces. So, and that slowly we began to work with a very small number of people, like just a couple of people. And, uh, and, uh, and that's what we have been doing until 2019. And then of course in 2020, COVID comes along. Just like in the 70s, the bad time was, at least appeared to be bad time anyway, that there's a natural gas shortage that gave the birth to synthetic atmosphere. That was my silver lining then. Now my silver lining this time is that it forced me to look into other projects, which may be even more interesting. And I decided to build my intellectual property. So since then, I've received one patent, two patents are in the process, and two are, I mean, two are already applied for, two more are in the process, Another four or five are waiting in line. So my future now is in two directions. One is to continue with what we became very good at till 2019, you know, make it go further. And the other is get into uh, hopefully develop these new projects and figure out a way of commercializing them. So I believe in this theory, the old theory is, uh, you know, one in hand is better than two in the bush. I change it to, I change it to keep the one you have in the hand the best you can and still go to after the bush. That's what evolved as because of COVID. All right, let's, let's stick with TAT, TAT, for just a moment. Where do you see it going in the future? Uh, there are three activities that we plan to pursue. 
based on the patents either issued or being issued. Uh, one would be a project uh, uh, which uh, uh, promotes production of low alloy steels by powder metallurgy. I believe a very big future in that. In other words, how to bring out the better properties of a micro ingot compared to a big ingot, how to translate that into uh, better uh, products which require less energy and will cost less to manufacture. Right now, they are being manufactured in one way or another uh, by either machining or by taking a billet, chopping it down to small pieces, and then doing hot forging. So what I plan to do is the, the starting material for my uh, uh, you know, hot forging using low alloy steel would be powders as opposed to a, a preform that originally was cast somehow somewhere. So that's my one project, bring out the, and that will affect the heat treat also quite a bit. In other words, right now, most of the heat treat is done on parts which are really made by, through the, what I call the big casting approach, ingot casting. I mean, that's the, so they bring all the imperfection from the casting into the final product, which is then heat treated. My question then is, that if the product was much, much more heat, uh, much more uniform, then it may develop somewhat different heat treat uh, approaches, and and it most probably will reduce, if not eliminate, oil quenching. Okay, so why the elimination of oil quenching? Well, there are two reasons. One obviously is just safety. Oil tends to catch fire. The main reason is that if you can distribute the alloys more evenly there's a high probability you need less total amount of alloying element, uh, which, uh, uh, which will give you similar mechanical property because it doesn't have some of these irregularities. Okay, Now, that most probably low alloy steel with even a lower amount of alloying is more going to be conducive to faster quenching. Okay, Now, in powder metallurgy, already gas quenching is already used uh, after sintering they call it center hardening, okay? So the one that, uh, uh, so in my opinion, the heat treat will have to somehow modify its practices to deal with if that uh, same forged product is really made from micro ingots as opposed to a macro ingot. Very interesting. So that is one prospect of three. What, what's another one? In the additive manufacturing, there are two weak points still. That's why it's not uh, uh, taking up as quickly, commercially I'm talking. R&D, the money, the research is going at a very high rate. How about, but the actual production where you can see a part going in the automotive is not there yet, okay? Because you need, the reason is the shaping process layer by layer is somewhat slower. So they have, they have to speed it up quite a bit in order to make it what I call mass production, okay? So that's one, uh, one at the moment still a bottleneck. Okay. The second one is a bottleneck that they are not addressing yet because they feel they have to take care of the other bottleneck first, and that is because the, wherever there will be high volume of additive manufacturing, there the green part, the part will have some binder in it, okay? So that binder has to be removed prior to centering. 
So I am going to be focusing on binder and start getting ready within a couple of years uh, for mass debinding. Right now, the debinding is done in a small batches only. So I want to be ready for production of mass scale when the, when the shaping people uh, start uh, making the green parts faster. And, and, and it's much more challenging than the debinding in the conventional power metallurgy because there the amount of binder or what they call lubricant by volume is less than 10%. Whereas in the uh, uh, additive manufacturing, wherever they use the binder, it's always much more than 10%. So that makes a bigger challenge to get rid of it. So I already have an expertise how to get rid of the binder in the conventional power metallurgy. So I will use my that know-how as a stepping stone uh, to develop the what I call mass production debinding operation. So that's my second project. The third one is came directly out of COVID. Uh, 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 I'm working on. I cannot get into it uh, because. Uh, uh, there's still some patent issues involved here. I want to replace N95, which is made from uh, uh, what's called uh, uh, unwoven uh, polymer. Okay. I want the filtering portion to be metallic. That would be my uh, dream project. Any last messages for our listeners? To that, we are not doing it, but we are open to it. And that is uh, uh, because your main listeners are heat readers, so I'm open to them that my background is furnaces and atmospheres and temperature, okay? So I'm open to anyone if they have problem to reduce the atmosphere cost, let's say, or they want to increase the productivity of their furnaces. They could reach me, and once I understand their need, I will be willing to work with them how to accomplish those uh, two goals, cost reduction, atmosphere reduction, and the third one will be energy reduction. I have a pretty good background in all of those three areas when it comes to thermal processes in general. E even though right now my focus is on centering, but that does not mean I cannot get into annealing or brazing or heat treating or tempering, so on and so forth. Yeah, exactly. No, that makes good sense. I just want to thank you for taking the time to, to talk with us, Harb. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Doug. We hope you enjoyed today's Heat Treat Radio episode. If you would like to reach out to Harb Nyer for any reason, you can email him directly at harb.nyer at tat-tech.com. Let me spell that out. It's H-A-R-B period N-A-Y-A-R at tat hyphen T-E-C-H.com. Or you can go to his website, which is www.tat-tech.com. I'm also happy to receive emails on behalf of Harb, uh, so you can email me directly at doug at heattreattoday.com. Do you have ideas for future Heat Treat Radio podcasts? Do you want to be a sponsor of one of these podcasts? In either case, email me personally with a brief message and I'll be in touch. My email address is doug at heattreattoday.com. This fall has a great lineup of conferences and opportunities to attend online. Be sure to check out the Heat Treat Today calendar on our website, www.heattreattoday.com, under the Resources tab 
or simply browse our site to see the latest Heat Treat news by searching for Heat Treat Today in your web browser. We should be the first thing that pops up. And don't forget to attend Furnaces North America 2020, the virtual event, North America's very first all virtual Heat Treat show on September 30th through October 2nd. You can find out more on the web at www.furnacesnorthamerica.com. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. The great audio producer of this podcast, Jonathan Lloyd, created and mixed most of the music that you heard today. Thanks, Jonathan. Miss Bethany Funk is Heat Treat Today's podcast editor and is capable of making nearly any podcast host sound good. Thanks, Bethany. I'm your host, Doug Glenn. Thanks for listening.